two familiar passages to us today, especially regarding new year, new you. Um, Isaiah chapter 43, Isaiah is speaking to a group of people that needed a new beginning. They needed a new start. And God says, listen, these are the things that I want you to do. Forget the former things. Forget your 2019, 2018, 2017, 20. Forget the past decade. Do not dwell on your past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Everyone say new thing. God's going to do a new thing in your life in 2020. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Paul's talking about our identity as followers of Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, the Bible says it like this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the, come on, the what? New creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. I want to speak to you on this idea today. New year, new you. New year, new you. Would you just take your hand and place it on your heart right now? Father, every person that's here today is so grateful. The first week of the year, Lord, they've come. And Lord, and maybe it wasn't easy just to, to get it back into that swing of committing to going to, to a Sunday service. And they said yes. And we thank you, Lord, that you always reward when we pursue spiritual steps with you. You said if we seek you, we'll find you. So we want to seek you today. We sought you in worship. Now through your word in these next few moments, I pray that you will speak to our hearts today. God, this revelation of who you are and your amazing power to work in us. We thank you, Lord. It is a new year, and you desire for a new you to become alive in each one. I ask this now for every person that's here. Give them a spiritual ear to hear and give them the ability to see and give me a mouth to speak. I ask this in Jesus' wonderful and powerful name, and everyone said, amen. You may be seated. New, newer, and improved. Don't we all like that? Don't we like new houses, new cars, new remodel jobs, improved lives? I mean, isn't that what it, all the marketing in our culture is geared towards? New, newer, and improved. And we all like that. We all like new stuff. We all want stuff to be improved in our life. The fact is, God has new in store. The Bible says that the mercies of the Lord are new. Everyone say new. New every morning. God has a new revelation of who he is in each of our lives every single day. Here's a challenge to us. The challenge for us is not to keep looking back. Because, listen, the tendency for all of us, we look back in our rearview mirror. And the, and the challenge of looking in your rearview mirror while you're driving is it's very difficult to drive straight going forward. And God is calling every one of us in this room as we move into a new decade to move forward. Everyone say forward and to move upward. God's called us to move forward and to move upward. Now, you've had some challenges in life. We've all had them. We've all had setbacks. We might even had some great victories. And the challenges with setbacks and victories is we can look at our victories and rest on the laurels of our past and look and start to fail to look forward into the future that God has in store for us. We can revel in our victories. We revel in our successes. But you know, like any NBA basketball team that wins a championship or any NFL team that wins a Super Bowl, the moment they win that ring, guess what? They're back in the gym again. They're back training again for the next year because Sunday is a coming. Mondays are coming. Tuesday 
is a coming. Or maybe we've had some real setbacks. Maybe we've had some hurts and some habits and some hangups that have just hung on to us for way too long in our life. And we just, you know, we really want things to be different in our future, but we've just been hanging on to this past and we can't seem to quite shake it. And if we really were honest and we look back over the past year of our life and say, you know what? I wanted to change, but I really didn't. I wanted to change maybe the way I ate or some, some bad habits that I was doing that I knew were not helpful to me. I wanted to change some spiritual realities in my life, but when I really got down to it, nothing was any different. I, my 2019 didn't finish much different than my 2018. And I believe today the challenge with most of us in resolutions is a matter of perspective. Because so many times the reason we want to change is because we are comparing ourselves to someone else's success, right? We're looking at someone else and what they did and men say, man, if I could just do that, I would look slim like them. Or, I, you know, or I'd be wealthy like them. And we're looking at other people and we're comparing ourselves. And when we start to build our resolutions and our changes around comparison of, of others, we're missing the point. Because what God is concerned about, now he's concerned about others, but he doesn't want you to be concerned about others. He wants you to be concerned about the purpose and the mission and the plan that he has for you. Because God is working something in you today. And so God, as we begin to change our perspective and focus and begin to understand, it's all a matter of how we see our past and our problems and our victories. World War II, there was a, a guy named, by the name of William Zander. He was a German-Jewish immigrant to England. He moved to England because in the late 1930s, Hitler began to run roughshod across the, 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 the European continent, began to capture countries and nations, and began to persecute the Jewish people. And he, being a Jew, although he had been a decorated war hero in World War I, found himself under the wrath of the Nazi Germans. And so he was able to escape with his family, and he moved to England. The problem is when he moved to England, there were thousands of other Jews that had moved there. The, the problem was is that the British saw them as spies. I mean, they were at war with Germany. Germany wanted to destroy them. They were at battle with them. And so England opened what they called internment camps. We did the same thing here in the United States with the Japanese. We went to war at World War II with the Japanese. And on the West Coast, there were internment camps. These were places that people of a certain identity, of a certain racial or ethnic background were stripped from their homes, stripped from their jobs, stripped from their educational opportunities, and they were thrown into camps with absolutely nothing. And the British did it to these Jewish individuals. And he found himself in this, uh, in this internment camp with nothing. Everything, all his prestige, all the victories of his past were completely gone. And here he finds himself with thousands of other people held captive against his will. As he, uh, William went into this opportunity, he began to look around him and he began to see that there were a lot of smart people. He began to say, you know, there's a lot of smart people here. And without books, classroom, pencils, or paper, he began to start lectures. He actually ended up founding the University of Hebrew of Jerusalem in that, constant, in that internment camp. As I began to read his story, you know what he said? He said, I looked around the room, I looked around the internment camp, and I saw a lot of smart people, and I said, you know what we can do? We can start sharing ideas. We can start sharing our knowledge with one another. 
And over the next 10 months while he was in this internment camp, he founded this university. They gave over 40 different lectures and opportunities for people in the camp to continue to learn and to grow. Do you know why? Because he had a different perspective about people. He had a different perspective about who he was. And although he could have took that opportunity and sulked in his problem and blamed other people, he used it as an opportunity to make a difference with his life. He has a son now the head of the Boston Philharmonic. I'm not even going to say that word. We're going to move right on. But he's the head of the Boston Orchestra today. And as I heard the story, he said, my dad was the most positive person on the planet. He always believed that there was something new, something good. And I believe today God has something new and something good in store for you. We're going to take a journey today to the life of Peter. Peter is an amazing character because as we, as we walk through Peter's life today, we can relate and identify with him. Although he, when he, he was a young man when he was called by Jesus, uh, man, he's a guy who's prone to faults and failures, and he's the guy that made New Year's resolutions, and he kept stumbling back and doing the same thing that he'd always done. And, uh, but, but there was something tenacious about him. There was something different about him. And what I admire about Peter and what I admire about people who actually do make changes in their life is that they recognize that it starts. Transformation always starts with the first step. It starts, sometimes we look 10 years down the road or a year down the road and we see what we want to be or what can be and we fail to realize that that doesn't happen instantaneously. Peter's life wasn't transformed. Yes, he had encounters with Christ and he was being changed, but it was a process and a journey. And we're going to journey with Peter today as we begin to understand that God is be doing a new thing in your life. God has a new year, but he also has a new year that he's, new you that he's creating with inside of you. And the first step that you and I must take today, if we're going to experience new in 2020, is we must follow, we must follow the call of Jesus. We must follow the call of Jesus. In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus is, he, he's there in the Galilee region. It's on the northern part of this little lake. They, they call it a sea, but in our understanding of lakes, it's not even a very big lake. It's, it's about eight miles wide, 13 miles long. And Peter and his brothers, they had grown upon this lake. They were fishermen, and, and they, were, they were just young guys, man. They were just doing what their family did, and their, their father did, and their grandfather did. They, they were people of the, of, the, of the lake. They were people of the sea, as they call it. They knew how to fish. They were common people, uneducated people, just common guys out there living life. Weren't necessarily very spiritual. They were just kind of going through life and doing things that they knew how to do. And Jesus comes upon these guys and he sees something in them. And he simply gives this simple command. Look what he says here. Come, follow me. Leave your old way of life. Leave your old way of thinking. Leave your old paradigms. Leave your old way of life. And I'm going to lead you into something new. See, now you've been fishing for food, but I'm going to teach you how to fish for men. I'm going to teach you how to live out your purpose, your identity, your calling, what I have placed you on this planet to do. You see, Jesus wanted a personal relationship with them. And when Jesus calls you and I today, he's calling us to leave something. He's calling us to forsake allegiances and things that we consider to be a priority based on our own personal preferences or background and bringing and up life, uh, upbringing in life or education. 
Jesus is calling us to a new way. Jesus desires to do something in you through this personal relationship as you follow him. See, God is always working the extraordinary and the ordinary. In the ordinary routines of your life, God desires to do something extraordinary. See, God has a purpose for you. God's created you for purpose. God's created you for mission. Many years ago at City Church, we would have a weekly affirmation that we would put up on the board and we would quote and it would just simply say this, I have a purpose. And the people would respond back, I have a purpose. My purpose is to win souls. My purpose is to win souls. I best fulfill my purpose when I'm with other Christians. I best fulfill my purpose when I'm with other Christians. I will never be fully satisfied until I'm living my purpose. I will never be satisfied until I'm living my purpose. I have no promise of tomorrow. You have no promise of tomorrow but we choose to live fully for Christ today. Christ called them to come alongside. God's created you for purpose. The fact is each day that we wake up, do you know today that your job is not about a paycheck? Your job is about mission. Your job is about fulfilling the mission and the call that Christ has called you to. Are you willing to give up securities? Your securities are things that you know, good, bad, ugly. Are you willing to really lay down some hurts that have kept you back? Are you really willing to lay down some habits, some hang-ups, some things that you find yourself carrying in to year after year? Are you really willing to do it? Transformation starts with the first step. The second thing that we see in the life of Peter, that when he comes to Christ, Christ challenges him to grow in his faith. Everyone say challenge. Do you know that the spiritual life is a good life, but not an easy life? It's a good life, the life of God. It's a good life, but there will be challenges, and challenges in your life are opportunities for you to trust in God. Jesus is with his disciples ministering, and they've experienced lots of incredible things. They've followed the call. And the moment they said they were in and they were following Jesus, man, things began to transform, began to change in their world dramatically and drastically very quickly. And I can tell you today from personal experience, the moment that you say yes and fully surrender your heart and your soul and your mind to Christ, things are going to change. Everything. God doesn't change like Pastor Glenn said. God is good all the time, but everything that God touches changes. And God's changing you, and he's changing me, and he's working in our lives. After a day of ministry, feeding thousands of people, Jesus goes up into the mountain to pray, and he sends his disciples out in a boat. The Bible says about 3 o'clock in the morning, a storm comes. What I find interesting in this story is that Jesus knew that a storm was going to come because he was God, and he knew all things. And Jesus wasn't concerned about the storm. You might be experiencing a storm in your life right now, and you're really concerned about it. You're really weighed down about it. You're really in strife and struggling over it. Jesus isn't concerned. No, he's concerned about you. But what Jesus knows is that he is growing something in you. He's growing a faith muscle in you. He's growing a trust muscle in you. In you. Are you really going to believe him when the impossible, the things in your life seem to be impossible? Are you really going to believe that he is the God who is able to make the impossible possible if you only believe? Do you really believe that today? And so Jesus comes to him, and in the middle of the night, three o'clock in the morning, the boats are rocking, and these guys are familiar with storms, and they know that their little tiny boat could easily capsize in the Sea of Galilee. And the Bible says that Jesus shows up. 
starts walking to them. Wow. Do you know where you are today? Jesus is walking towards you. He's not running away from you. God is always with you. Jesus is walking towards you and towards them. And the Bible says, in ver- can you put the verse up for me? Verse 28, he says, Peter says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Lord, if this is really you, you're really doing this, show me what I'm supposed to do. Jesus said, come, come, Peter. Then Peter got down out of the boat and walked on the water and came towards Jesus. Now, two things here. Number one, I've never seen anyone walk on water. Come on, amen? Come on. Like, that ain't, like, that's pretty amazing within itself. The second thing is, okay, we're like, okay, Jesus is God, we get it. But Peter got out of the boat. That's crazy. Come on. It's crazy. You know when Jesus calls you? He calls you to a risky endeavor. He calls you to something that's risky. He calls you to do something that if God doesn't show up, you're sunk. Come on. And in this moment, Peter has a measure of faith. He looks at Jesus. and He begins to walk out on that water. He begins to walk towards Jesus. And that's the key here today. The challenge before all of us is no matter what's going on, no matter where 2019 held, if we are going to experience a new year with a new you, we must believe. Now, Peter is an example of what typically happens to most of us. He started looking around him. And here's the deal. When you are going through it, when you are going through it in 2020, don't stop. When the pressure's there, when the bills are starting to rise up, when the doctor's diagnosis doesn't look good, who are you going to believe today? Who are you going to put your trust in today? Who are you going to put your hope in today? Now, Peter took his eyes off Christ, but you know what? Jesus was right there with him. Jesus was right there with him, and he reached down, and Peter says, Jesus, save me, and I want you to hear me today when you're walking through the trials and the fires of life. This simple prayer, Jesus, help me, works every time. It works every time. Jesus, save me. And the Bible says that Jesus reached down, and he pulled Peter up. Peter grew in faith. Our journey of faith for every one of us in this room whether it was Miss Laura and I moving from Seattle to Central Florida and not knowing anyone, leaving our securities. We've had so many moments where we've had to completely say, God, I don't understand this. I don't know how this is gonna happen, but I trust you. The year was 2014 and City Church had outgrown the facility that we were at at 650 East Airport Boulevard and, and we had been praying for a new location and this facility came up available. At that time, I remember sitting around with a group of our leaders and we talked about our financial situation and there was no way in the, no way in the natural world for us to be able to buy this facility. It was an impossibility. There was no way, no way. But I remember God beginning to stir in our hearts that all things were possible to them that believe. And through the speaking of God's word and through confirmation and prayer, through some supernatural things that begin to stir in our own hearts and my own heart and my wife's heart and our team's heart, we started believing for God to make the impossible possible. And in August of 2015, City Church went from an impossibility to a possibility when we held our first public service at 1711 Horns Boulevard. Come on, God is always stretching our faith. God always has something new for you today. God wants you to be a water walker. 
God commends you today. When you take the spiritual steps of faith and you believe, God commends you for being spiritually aware and believing that he is the God. Think about your workplace today. Think about your neighbors today. How many people that you, that you really know really believe that God is with them and for them? How many people, I mean, I, I remember in the, when I was working in restaurants, there was very few people that believed. Many times I felt like I, like I was a sore thumb sticking out. One guy used to, his name was Kevin, and he smoked a lot of pot. That's all I remember about Kevin. Kevin smoked a lot of dope, and, but he liked Eugene. He wanted to be, he thought I was his lucky charm. And he'd get around me, he'd say, I'm a, we'd play, you know, sports and, and different kinds of activities after work and company games, and he'd always want to be on Eugene's team. <laughs> it's kind of a weird thought, because I ain't that good of an athlete, but he had some kind of respect for God. Most people in our culture have very little respect. You see it at our entertainment and our music, just living life for ourselves. But when we make a decision to say yes to Jesus and we recognize who he is, he commends you today. He commends you today. And this is what he does. Peter has this encounter with Jesus. Peter's, Jesus said, Peter, who do, you, who do people say that I am? And they said, well, you know, some people say you're John the Baptist. Some people say you're Elijah, returning the flesh and all these things. And, and Peter says, no. That's not who you are. Look at Jesus says to him, Peter, who do you say that I am? And Jesus asked Simon. He spoke up and said, you are the anointed one, the son of the living God. Verse number 16, 17. Jesus replied, you are favored and privileged, Simon, son of Jonah, for you didn't discover this on your own. But my father in heaven has supernaturally revealed it to you. Look at verse number 18. Here's the key. And I give you the name Peter. See, his old name was Simon or Cephas. The name Simon, uh, Simon, the old name, his old name Simon was his birth name. It literally means one who hears. You know, Peter heard a lot of voices. He heard a lot of voices. A lot of people speak. But Jesus came to give him a new name, a new identity. You see, see, other people saw him as one who hears. Jesus saw him as a rock. Other pe people see you by your past failures, by your past mistakes, by your past successes. They have a label. They have a name. They have something that they call you or identify you with. But Jesus looks at you completely differently. When Jesus looks at you, he has a new name. And the Bible says that there is a new name written down in glory, and it's mine. Because I have a new identity today. Old ways, old things old paradigms, old mindsets, old brokenness, old successes and hurts and habits. And, hey, all of them, listen, they are in my past. But today God is doing a new thing. And the new identity that God has for you launches you into your purpose, launches you into the plans that he has for you. Oh, you're new today. God has a new year. God has a new you God's working in our lives. This old identity becomes a new identity. I mean, long before Dwayne Johnson ever came along, there was a guy called The Rock. His name was Peter. I mean, hear me today. Hear me today. God speaks an identity over you. A new identity. Victor, overcomer, champion for him. Come on, pot with his blood, precious child of God, daughter of God, son of God. You have a new name and a new identity in God. And God's doing this new work in you. He's commending you. Sometimes, I got a great quote up here. It says, the only way to get rid of your past is to make a future out of it. God wastes nothing. 
every hurt, every habit, every bad thing, every good thing in your life. God takes the past of our life and he wants to turn it for a future glory, for our good and his glory. Our stars of life, our scars of our lives become stars in his grace. The messes of our past become messages of his grace. But all of us have to deal with something. As we're walking out the new year and the new you, we've had some wrong attitudes. There's some things that God is going to do. He's going to confront some sinful ways about us. Peter was no different. That's why we identify with Peter. That's why when you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you read the Gospels, you can just, man, I get this guy. I get his proneness to weakness. I get his failures. I get the mistakes and the missteps that he makes. I get it. Peter had a different view of what life should be. Peter thought that God's kingdom was going to be political. He thought that the Jewish people who were now held as, as subjects and servants and captives to Rome, the Jewish people would get back up on top and they would be the head and not the tail, just like God had promised their forefather, Moses. They, they believed that. They believed that they were gonna have a national political identity and their Messiah was gonna come and he was gonna reign and he was gonna kick booty. He was gonna throw the Romans out of Jerusalem and they were gonna rule there. And Peter knew that this Jesus was different than anyone else. He knew it. He had that revelation. He knew that he was the anointed one, but he had a wrong perspective about Jesus' life. You see, Jesus said, uh, I didn't come to keep my life. I came to give my life away. Jesus knew that his life was about sacrifice. Jesus knew that his life was about death, about a cross. Uh, and our culture today, you know, crosses are, I mean, I see them on rappers. I see them on movie stars. I see them hanging from people's ears. And I see crosses. It's a brand. We got them on our buildings. We got them on our bumper stickers. Some people tattoo them on their bottoms. I mean, people have got them all over the place. We got crosses everywhere. But man, in the early days, early Christians, man, crosses were not cool. As a matter of fact, it was very uncool because crosses represented death. Only criminals, outlaws, and indigents knew the cross because they would hang on it. It was where the Romans brutally crucified people. It'd be like us wearing a great big electric chair around our neck. At the electric chair, at the electric chair, where I first saw the light. Yeah, you saw a light on your electric chair. It was a bolt of lightning shooting through your body. Peter had a wrong identity, wrong understanding, and Jesus confronts him. You know what he says to him? Get behind me, Satan. One moment, he's commending him. Oh, blessed are you. Literally, the very next passage, the very next moment of his life, Peter's gone astray. He's thinking wrong. He goes from a win to a lose. It isn't that like our lives many times. Jesus speaks the truth to you. He speaks the truth to your identity. He speaks the truth to your problems. He knows exactly what's true about your life. He knows exactly what's wrong. And he knows exactly the changes and the corrections that need to take place in order for the new year and the new you to manifest in all of our lives. He, Paul said, he that has begun a good work will complete that work until the day of Christ Jesus. God's working in you. God's working in me. See, Peter didn't want to sacrifice. Peter didn't want to suffer. Peter didn't want to lay down his life. Peter wanted to live for self. And as long as self is in control in your heart, God has a deep work to do. 
God's speaking to you today. Turn, turn, take up your cross, give up your life, give up your perspectives, give up your political ambitions, give up all these things, die to these things. Oh, within themselves, we understand today they're not evil, but there's something about the things of this world that so easily captivate our heart and turn us from having a correct relationship and a right relationship, a loving relationship, a father-son, a father-daughter relationship with our heavenly father. Somehow we think we're still in control of our own destiny. The fact is today you're not in control of your own destiny. God is in control of your life. He wants to be the captain of your ship and the Lord of your heart. And so he deals with them. Peter shook into his core. He actually tells Peter, you're going to deny me three times. Wow. And Peter does exactly what Jesus says. You know that before you failed yesterday, Jesus knew it. He already saw it. Already paid for it. He knew it. I mean, before you mess up Monday, he knew you were going to mess up Monday. He told Peter, you know what, Peter? You think you're going to follow me and you think you're so strong in your faith, you're going to deny me three times. You know how we feel when we fail God? You know how disappointed we feel when we mess up? Come on, we all do. I asked this question to the first service, but what do you think God thinks of you right at this moment? Jesus sitting right in front of you, Pastor Esteban. What is he really thinking about you? He's sitting right in front of you. You're looking at him eye to eye. What do you think he really, oh yeah, I know, he loves me. But he's kind of disappointed because you know, I did this or I said that. I went here, got this habit, got this thing that I'm still holding on to. But if we're really to be honest, today, come on, it's quiet in here. Because we're meddling right now. We're getting down to where it's really at. But I want you to hear this today. I want you to hear this today. Yes, we fall short. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But the heart of God is to comfort us in our weakness. The mercies of the Lord are new every morning. Peter failed. He did exactly what Jesus said. He failed him three times, denied three times. And Jesus' most crucial moment, when he really needed a friend, Peter left him, and so did the others. And Peter feels like a failure. And so he goes back to what he knows how to do. The old timers used to call it backsliding. We used to backslide. My church had, they had mourner's benches. We had benches, altars down here. And the pastor would call you, come down to the mourner's bench. Come down to the altar, you backsliders in heart. You that this, you've been living your own life. God's reaching out to you. And it's exactly what Jesus did to Peter. Because see, Peter felt dejected. He felt rejected. He was living under the condemnation and guilt of his own failure and faults and shame. I want you to see what happens here. They fished all night. Peter did what he knew to do. He was a man of the sea, a man of the lake, a man of fishing. He goes back to fishing. He had a mission to be fisher of men, but he goes back to fishing. He's failing again. It's not working. It's not working out the way that he had hoped. The Bible says that Jesus said to them, stand on the seashore, come and eat breakfast. They didn't need to ask him who it was this time. They knew that they had a friend who was sticking closer to the brother. And you have a friend in Jesus today, and he loves you. He loves you today. I mean, think about that. What a sweet thing. 
This really makes it personal, doesn't it? This is a personal Jesus. This is a personal God. He really cares today. Make some breakfast. <laughs> and we know Waffle House breakfast. Not what it was. It was fish. I'm like, I don't know about fish, but it was fish. And they knew that and they loved it. And Jesus wants to make you a meal. Come and dine at the master's table. Come and dine. Come eat of the bread that he gives. It's the bread of life. Because see, ultimately, Peter had a mission. He commissioned Peter for ministry. And he wasn't going to let him stay in his brokenness. He wasn't going to let him stay in his past. He wasn't going to let him stay in his hurt. He had a mission for Peter to accomplish. And in that moment of brokenness, in that moment, he felt like he had completely failed God. Jesus doesn't call him Peter right now because that's not how Peter sees himself. Jesus calls him Simon. Three times, he says, Simon, do you love me? Oh, yeah, Lord, you know. I. In the Greek there, it's really clear. You know, we don't, we, we don't have another word for love. love. We love chocolate. We love our dogs. We love our politics. We love our sports. You know, we love Alabama. We love whatever. We love, you know, all these things. But in the Greek, they had different connotations of love. And two times, Jesus said, do you phileo me? He says, do, you bro- do you love me like a brother? I'm, I'm treating you like a brother. And the third time, he uses the word agape, which is a God love, God kind of love. Do you really love me today with all your heart and soul and strength, Peter? Yes, Lord, you know. Yes, Lord. Yes. Yes, Lord, you know that I really love you, Lord. You know that I really care. You know, Lord, I want to do your will. You know, Lord, you can hear the empathy. You can hear the brokenness of Peter's heart. Yes, Lord, you know. You know. You know that I love you. I know I messed up. (laughs) Well, then feed my sheep. Get up. Get going. I got a work for you to do. I got a ministry I've called you to. There's a purpose and a plan for your life today. Oh, don't quit, Peter. Don't give up. New year, new year, new you. You know how it happens? It starts with that first step, that step of transformation. God's working in each of our lives. You know, Peter, you know what he would do? He'd immediately go out and he'd begin to preach. Man, he didn't feel like preaching just a few days before. But Jesus said, I got something for you. I got a special gift. Pastor Joe talked about that gift last week, the Holy Spirit. He helps you do the heavy lifting of your life. The Holy Spirit, he's he's right there alongside of you. He's the manifest reality of Christ's spirit in our lives today. Jesus isn't walking among us in flesh and blood. His spirit now lives in us. He's the Holy Spirit. Oh, he lives in you and he lives in me. He commissioned Peter that day. Peter goes out and begins to preach. Tells people, refocus. Refocus your life. Repent. It's the word repent. And and that's what Jesus is saying to you today. Refocus your life. Refocus your priorities. Refocus your spiritual perceptions and understandings. Refocus. And as we refocus, it allows us to be able to recalibrate our future, to look at it in a different way, from a different perspective. Peter would go on later to write to the church and say, gird up the loins of your mind and of your heart. God's doing something new in you. God's doing something new in me. And the journey always starts with the spiritual. Everyone say spiritual today. 
So what do you do with this today? I want to give you some real practical steps here. I want to give you some real practical. Last year I used the phrase, now what? This year I have to say, so what? All right. So what works? So what? So what does all this mean? What do I do with it? How do I walk out of here? Well, first thing, some of us need to really make a commitment in our hearts to the house of God. In the book of Hebrews, it says, listen, don't neglect the attending. Don't neglect the assembly with one another, such as some of you, and you've drifted away. And I want to challenge every person. They tell us, church growth statisticians tell us that the average American Christian attends a church or weekly community service 1.6 times a month. And I want to challenge some of you. Now, some of you come, man, you're coming to prayer meetings and you're doing everything. But some of you, you're right in that statistic. And that's the norm. And I want to challenge some of you to attend a church service or a small group at least one time a week. Once a week. Small group, Pastor Glenn, it's the back front. You got to get, you know, you connect, care, and grow with other believers in small groups. It's so vital. But attending a worship service. The second thing is a, a challenge of parents to buy the Bibles. My wife and I are on a journey. We're reading the Bible through in a year. This is the Bible plan that we're doing here. It's Bible in one year. You can download it. Um, there's all kinds of programs out there. This one is by a guy by the name of Nicky Gumbel, and it's a, it's a great program. It's, it's a great, you walk through the Bible, take you about 20 minutes. He has some commentary on it. And I would encourage you to do something like that. We're going to do the Daniel fast starting January 13th through the 19th. Commit to that. Maybe you've never taken that kind of spiritual exercise before. That's, that's difficult. I remember the first time I did this, we actually did it for 50 days. That's how strong I am. We went from 50 to seven days, but 50 days, man. I was a vegan. That's what they call them. I didn't know I was a vegan, but I became a, God began to do something in my heart and life. I've never been the same since. It's changed me from the inside out. Make a mission trip. We have four mission trips this year. Do something spiritual. Get out of your boat. Sacrifice something. Go someplace else. Children are going to take a mission trip this year. The families are going to go. Uh, youth ministry, Pastor Joe's taking the youth and young adults on a mission trip. Adults, we're going to Bahamas. We, we have an uh, orphanage that we work with there. We're going to go back to the Bahamas this year and minister in the uh, Bahamas. Jamaica, sorry, Jamaica. We're going back to Jamaica. We're going to minister in Jamaica again this year to the orphanage that we've been part of. A group of us are going to Israel. We've got opportunities for you. Your personal life, your family life, marriage, your kids. I, in my life, I got two goals in my family this year. Number one, I'm fighting for everything within me for my wife's life. I'm Everything within me. My number one priority is to take care of my wife and to make sure that my wife stays alive in 2020. Someone said amen. Come on. My other, my other goal in life is I'm going to have a grandchild here in just a month or so. And I'm going to become the, a world-class grandfather. Whatever that, I don't know what that means yet. I'm going to be looking at some of you. What are you guys doing? How are you doing that? What are the goal? What, what are some spiritual, personal things that God wants to do new in you? Maybe it's your financial, your financial world or your physical health. Two weeks, we'll be talking about our physical bodies. We have a nutritionist, Mr. Richard Miles. He's going to be helping me team teach that. And he's just an amazing man. understands the correlation of the food that we take and put in our bodies with our spiritual journey. What about professionally? What your professional life? Growing and developing, becoming a better servant, understanding that your ministry is your work. I want you to close your eyes. Our worship team is going to lead us in this song. 
You just, right where you're, for right now, I just want you to sit right where you're at. I want you to allow the Holy Spirit, because he's doing something new. He's, it's a new year, and he's doing something new in you today. I want you to allow the Holy Spirit, as they begin to sing this song, isn't the name of Jesus wonderful? Begin to look in your own heart today. Begin to ask God to speak to you the areas that he desires to change.